Live once again from the Bradley Bayesden WEGL studio in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center, this is Compact Discourse Monday edition. I'm Alex Houston, joined by a special guest, former host of Compact Discourse, Jack Hart himself. Jack, how are you doing this morning? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's only home for student-run radio since 1971. Thank you, Alex, for having me on the show today. It is a pleasure to be back in the Bradley Basin studio here in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center. Just like old times, ready to get back into it on this Monday morning. Hope everyone's having a safe drive into work, school, or wherever if you're just hanging out at home. Thank you for making it Compact Discourse a part of your morning once again, just like I have. That was perfect, Jack. Thank you. That that You, you can't outshine me too much, though. Now my intros will never compare. Look, just you can take notes. I, I, I might just have to. Now, normally... We uh, have used these episodes to be the Auburn football therapy sessions, but there was no Auburn football this weekend, and I, for one, am quite grateful. some say. Yes, I, I, I think mercifully is, is the exact word to use, as painful as it's been in the past. You know, I was thinking about this, and maybe this is, this is a discussion we could already open with, is how, come say November 12th, right, Auburn's going to play Texas A&M in Jordan-Hare Stadium, and on November 12th, the center of the Auburn sports world will be Neville Arena and not Jordan-Hare Stadium. There might not even be basketball games or volleyball games or gymnastics going on on November 12th, but the fact of the matter is it's hard to believe that on a Saturday in November everybody else's minds may be elsewhere. But credit to either the poor nature of the Auburn football program or the impressive display put on by pretty much every coach in Neville Arena at this point. It's kind of where we're at. Yes, the... Uh... The, the magnetic North Pole of Auburn athletics has, has shifted a few hundred feet to the west over the past two years, it seems. And that's just, that's just the thing that you would never – I mean, if you told somebody that years ago when in, Auburn was 9-23 and in the Tony Barbie era, the women's basketball team wasn't exactly breaking records and volleyball was on its way to some of the worst seasons in program history, I mean, they would not believe you. But instead – Everything has shifted so dramatically, which, again, a credit to the coaches in charge of gymnastics, volleyball, men's and women's basketball, as well as a discredit to whoever's in charge of Auburn football at this current juncture because – It's a pretty I mean, safe accusation to fling out there considering no one knows who it's landing on. That, yes, that, 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 that's a fair point. No, nobody really does know at this point. And, I mean, hey, Auburn volleyball is 18-2. and two. I know, Jack, you – were more around than I was for the Rick Knoll era of Auburn volleyball. I don't know if you ever covered any of that during your time here, but maybe shed some light on what exactly new fans to Auburn volleyball were missing back then. Well, you were missing some pretty great WEGL broadcasts, to be sure, considering the, the talent we had on the airwaves. But um, I don't think they were calling very many wins, is, is what, I, what I gleaned from talking to the likes of Aiden and Jacob and uh, Herbert and our old friends at Weagle who were used to be calling games. But I think uh, our new DJs and uh, the like and sports reporters have been afforded a very fun opportunity to be part of this uh, renaissance season Auburn Volleyball has going on here on Weagle. I think renaissance season is exactly the way to describe it. It's really an incredible transformation. Like I, I've, said it, I've said it before on broadcast, and I'll say it again. In the previous three years, Auburn won just six out of 44 SEC conference games, and this year they won seven out of their first nine SEC conference games, which is just, an, again, 
I mean, within that is the final er- year of the Rick Knoll era, which was a 1-17 conference record. And then the 0-8 COVID year where they just stopped playing because they didn't have enough players in the second half. And then last year they went 5-13 and at C play. And now already seven wins with a huge game against Florida. Because for those who don't know, Florida is probably the second best SEC volleyball program ever behind Kentucky. At least according to everything that I've read into it. I believe Kentucky won a national championship last year. So they, they won that national championship when they're having that down year in basketball, I believe, because ah. the, the fan base like kind of ironically shifted to being uh, volleyball fans. Much like how Auburn might be shifting, and well, yeah. at least the, at least Auburn's got other other sports to at Neville Arena to be excited about, and that's something I've also thought is or seen. But I'll ask you what you think about this. People have called essentially those four programs the race to see who's going to get the court named after them at Neville Arena. I mean. We all think it's a shoe in to be Bruce Pearl, obviously, because, I mean, I've called Neville Arena the house that he built, and technically yeah. it's the house that Tony Barbie built, but we won't discuss such kind things. Kind of the house that Cam Newton built, considering that paycheck you get after that kick in Pasadena. That's true. Well, I thought th- I thought they built it before the football season. That that may be true. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up right now. But who do you think is gonna get the court named after him? Because I mean. As much as it's an obvious shoe in for Bruce Pearl, if anybody's got an argument, Jeff Graba might be winning some national championships in the near future. That's right, and I think it's it's a matter of who can who can do it first, who can get the the win the final game of the season first, and that that's gonna who it's gonna come down to in this. Uh, you know, it, there's there's a lot of things to be to be named in a basketball arena. So you you know you have the you have the Pat Dye Field at Jordan Harris Stadium, right? And yes, you, that's true. Is it? Hitchcock Field at Plainsman Park. Yes, and and it's also W. James B. Sanford or W. James Sanford Stadium. Plainsman Park has like five names. Oh yeah, and it's a confusing. Probably, probably get a few more with these. Uh, these have you seen the new renderings for what they're adding to? Uh, I haven't seen the renderings themselves. I've heard all the like you know like the yeah. seats on the green monster. They're going to actually turn the party deck into the party deck that it was supposed to be or whatever. Big things are happening. Indeed. Um, so as far as yeah, renaming uh, parts of Neville Arena, I think. Yeah, it's whoever wins that final game of the season first and makes the biggest lasting legacy impression on Auburn Athletics. True. Because if you, you look around at all these all other names, and you're not naming it after anyone with a with a fleeting impression on true. the sport. True. And I mean, technically— and it, it might be who sticks around at Auburn the longest is another thing. True. you got to think, if this isn't one of these coaches' final jobs, which for some of these I could see happening, like— uh, Maybe for Crouch, I mean, this could be you know a springboard to a more lucrative job. But at the yeah. same time, it's about it's about making your impact on Auburn so that you can finally get that etched onto the hardwood. So what's interesting is I've actually talked to Crouch before about what it means to coach at Auburn, and I this is not going to speak entirely to it being his final job because there are incredible volleyball programs like Nebraska, Texas, Kentucky, and so on. But he said that, and this is. Another way of viewing how it's going to affect athletes is how it could affect coaches, the NIL, because Auburn just meteorically rose above some other programs in volleyball simply because of the Auburn brand that lends itself to NIL in that area. Now, of course, volleyball NIL is not going to be like gymnastics or football or basketball. We all know that. But it certainly helps elevate a poor program because of the brand that Auburn is in a general sense. And as for, I think, Graba, this is probably his final job. I mean, if he was going to leave, he yeah. probably would have left before he got an Olympian. Like, if he, if he had that SUNY connection, why not go somewhere else and say, SUNY, why don't you come where I'm going to be five years from now or whatever? Because he could have done that, but he didn't. So, 
And again, they're establishing such an absurd program that sells out their arena. Now, I have learned a few things. One, the plans to build Neville Arena were announced June 29th of 2007. So it appears that it was the Tommy Tuberville paycheck that uh that brought yeah, in that beaten Florida money. $92.5 million. Though they eventually completed it under budget at $86 million. I wonder where they just avoided spending $6 million. Yeah. And that's a little that's a little suspect. Don't take the elevator. Also, I can confirm that I don't have I've never heard this before, but according to Wikipedia, recognizing Neville the Neville's generous donation, Auburn fans refer to it as the Pearl Palace, and I've never heard that ever. Yeah, citation needed, Wikipedia. I, I mean there one. it's funny because there actually is no citation whatsoever for I this. Believe, yeah, that might be a, an overzealous editor might have gotten a hold of that one. Uh, the Nev is, I believe, what we're going with. Indeed, indeed. And, I mean, what we call outside of it has been referred to as Pearlville, but now that's going to be called Jungle City for mm-hmm. the foreseeable future. Yeah. But we'll certainly see how that is. Also, it did open in the middle of the 2010 football season. Wow. That'd be pretty cool. Meet me at the Nev, as it were. Indeed. The event concluded with a Harlem Globetrotters game. Wow. That's exciting. I don't get that anymore. Why don't they have a more – I would go to a Harlem Globetrotters game I believe Harlem we Globetrotters lost game our exhibition Arena. in 2010. So, um, I mean, it's played their first competitive games in a doubleheader on November 12th. The women's team defeated Mercer, and the men's team lost to UNC Asheville 70-69. to The men's first win in Auburn Arena came three games later. Because I recall that oh my Lord. Uh, this had to have been my first year in school, which would have been 2017. When we were quite good at football. I do remember our basketball team lost to Barry College, uh, who has a funny, goofy pirate parrot as their mascot. Uh, or logo, rather. Um, everyone really? was like, well, the last time we lost their exhibition game, we won the national championship, and we were just, you know, maybe a Jared Stidham strip sack away from that in 2017. National championship? Wait, what do you mean? Oh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. wait uh, um, oh, my gosh, they did lose to Barry. And that was, that was also, mind you, the year that Auburn went 26-8 and eight and were a Ben McLemore, not Ben McLemore, Anthony McLemore, ACL injury away from making a run in the, in the tournament. I don't know. That, that team was kind of all over the place. Though, that was the the kindlings of something magical. Exactly. That then became something next year, even though they did lose Mustafa Heron by next yeah. season. So you got that that to go with it. And now I'm just looking at the Tony Barbie career again. And, man, how – I mean, I just think it's so crazy to me how, like, the leash was – he went 9-23 and and like, yeah, you can come back another year. 9-23? and Are you kidding me? That's awful. How does that even happen? I got I got to pull up like the se- the the actual season record itself. Is there even like a uh probably on sports reference if I had to guess. Now, Wikipedia is your best bet cuz sports reference always makes my computer go laggy. Oh, too much information, I guess. No, my Mac's just really crappy. <laughs> I blame Auburn for doing that, but you Whoa. Know. Look, man, I I don't I don't want to be mean about it, but Auburn did direct me to a sur- to a computer that most of my classes just cannot use. Oh, you need Microsoft? Um, Excel actually doesn't work on your computer. Yeah, Thank you very much. It, enjoy it. Word online. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So this um, this Auburn team, the 9-23 team, lost six and then nine. Fifteen of their last 16 down the stretch. Yeah. Wow. No, no fight. Oh, the one win. A 49-37 victory over Alabama. What a rock fight that must have been. What a game it must have been indeed. Twenty, The 2013 year. Beautiful. So it appears when the worst basketball was going on, Auburn 
played pretty well, except for, again, the sad ending in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, the point that stands. That continues to track out the inverse relationship. That's true. Bad football equals good basketball? One can hope. One can, I mean, we have the first half of the equation already chalked in. I, I mean, hey, 2018 was a pretty bad year, and basketball was pretty fun. Yeah. And, I mean, last year both had sad endings, to say the least, is how, yeah. as I would describe that. Both peaked at the wrong time, one would say. Yes, one would say. It was right at the equilibrium point. of, the and, the, and then they both just went downhill at the same time. It's unfortunate. So, you know, Jack, we've asked this of everybody that came in here, and maybe you'll you'll say, no, Alex, I don't want to talk about such matters, but who do you think is going to be the new head coach of Auburn football? Because oh, the days might be numbered at this point. Well, I mean, the bye week's coming past. It is Monday morning, True. so this is when the news generally happens. I'm no journalist, but I think I think this is when reports would be rolling in. I haven't. Haven't seen any. He is having a press conference at 1.30, but that's his weekly press conference. Right. So there's nothing uh, to indicate uh, that business that's business as usual. So it looks like, I mean, at this point, staying the whole season, it's got to seem like. But I mean, looking then, then looking down the stretch, this is a question we'll answer more after this commercial break. And like, Come as on. much as I hate to still be optimistic about this season, your next two home conference games are super winnable. Exactly. Like, if Auburn can go four and one down the stretch and finish the year seven and five, does he stay? Because I thought 7-5 and five was the ceiling for this team considering their talent. Yes, yeah, more than one way to skin a cat. All right, college football scores when we come back from Compact Discourse right here on Weagle 91.1. Don't go anywhere. Back here inside the WEGL studio on Weagle 91.1 FM Auburn. This is Compact Discourse. Jack Hart joining the show for one time only. Maybe he'll be back later this year. Nobody actually knows. One time only. It's like a mattress store. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, one- but, the, but then the one time only sale happens again in like a month. That's right. Okay, so you'll be back? Well, this is the one time only, so oh, there's okay. no way to tell. Exactly. And... We had a little discussion over the break before we get to college football. My mom wondered if something would be named after Charles Barkley. He has a statue outside Neville Arena, and we we contested. You don't really name anything after players at Auburn. It seems to be coaches, athletic directors, except the complicated and confusing name of Plainsman Park, which is, as we said, Sanford Stadium, Hitchcock Field at Plainsman Park, three names in one. And Hitchcock, I thought it was a sponsorship of some kind. But it turns out it is for Jimmy and Billy Hitchcock, brothers who both played at Auburn and both played significant MLB careers. Billy Hitchcock had a nine-year career in the American League, and James or J- James or Jimmy played. He played for the Auburn Tigers football team and was the school's first All-American in both football and baseball. So there's a precedent there, which is why the Sunny Deshera dugout and the um. Who, who would the get the, Edward who would, Julian seats above the first base dugout? Wow, that is that really is. They're just gonna start naming each individual section. Is that it? Just the individual seat that he threw the ball in the College World Series. Did that happen? I, I must admit my my knowledge of Auburn baseball is very limited. Uh, yeah. In in the College World Series, Edward Julian committed a just horrendous error throwing from third to first, where he just airmailed it into the seat. Into oh dear. The seats, so. Well, at least somebody got a souvenir. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that 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 that's one way of viewing it. Just wait till they just wait till they separate um the 
the student section at Neville Arena and name it after one of the jungle presidents. The Jacob Hillman uh, student section? Uh, I don't. As I said, it's not very good. It's not a good policy to name things after people who are alive because they could still do something problematic. True, and we don't. You, we, you, you ever we seen a living want... person on the money? I didn't think so. That's a good point. But I mean, maybe someday they named Pat Dye Field before he was dead. Oh come on! It was Pat Dye. Well, <laughs> he's never done anything problematic. <laughs> is that is that right? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he's a sweet I'm, angel. Right, he was just here from eighteen or from nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety two, and then just left under mysterious circumstance. I wonder. Hey, one wonders. I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge of these things. However, as Jack said, we've got some college football scores to go through. Jack, would you like to do it, or I or can do I? some. Yeah, I can do some top twenty five, and well, then we can look through the rest of the FBS and find we, some interesting matchups. And that's exactly what we'll do. Here it is: the college football scoreboard. Oh yeah, number one Georgia had an off week, so it was number two Ohio State beating up on the visiting Iowa Hawkeyes, fifty four to ten. UT Martin gets run on by Tennessee. Uh, as they got some new goalposts up there in Neyland. Syracuse late bid for an upset goes awry as an interception from Clemson seals the deal. Clemson is now 7-1 all-time against the Qs of Syracuse. Alabama once again takes out revenge on Mississippi State for the second year in a row after losing to A&M last year. Beating them this year, they went 30-6 in BDS. LSU shocks the world, taking down number seven Ole Miss, 45-20 in Death Valley. That was a 2:30 CBS game. TCU remains flawless on the year as they take down the Wabash Cannonball, visiting Wildcats of Kansas State, 38-28. Your final in that Big 12 showdown. UCLA heads up to where it never rains, Outson Stadium, UG Oregon, and Bo Nix, who some are saying is a dark horse for the Heisman this year, wins that one, 45-30 over the Bruins. Oklahoma State continues their bid for the Big 12 championship as they take down Texas in a wild one, 41-34. Eyes of Texas were not upon this one as the Longhorns are looking for answers after another disappointing loss in conference play. Wake Forest takes care of business at home, beating Boston College 43-15. The whiteout game at Penn State defeats Minnesota handedly 45-17 as Penn State rebounds after that loss to Michigan. Cincinnati continues their G5 bid as they travel to Texas to take on SMU. They win 29-27 in a close one. And your final top 25 game of the day, it is that rolling wave of Tulane. They take care of business against Memphis jumping out to a 28 to nothing lead and winning that game by a final of 38 to 28 down in New Orleans. That is your top 25 action from this week that was in college football. And you got anything else outside the top 25 for us? I'm going to poke around because I was just looking at the top 25. There were quite a few that I saw, at least, looking at it right now. Kansas almost had a comeback against Baylor, but that was Jayhawks. Ex- that was an exciting game. Also, every game that happened in Texas this weekend was particularly exciting because they were all playing in 30-mile-an-hour wins. Really? Just about. And then Excellent. I believe Oklahoma State was the only is the one of the only stadiums that has a north-south configuration. Is it really? Uh, mo- most of them are east-west. Um, or, I'm north-south. I'm sorry, it's oh, the opposite. It, it's east-west yeah. while most stadiums are north-south. So it's very hard to pass when it's windy at Boone Pickens. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Um, that's so crazy. That, that's what was happening. It was really impressive. Bean, who uh, you probably a lot of people know as the backup quarterback to Marquise Daniels at Kansas, he was absolutely dotting up Baylor, throwing into a 30-mile-an-hour headwind. It was unbelievable watching the second half of that game. Unfortunately, just the comeback was a little too late for the Jayhawks. Is their magical season... It's not over, but not not I mean, where they thought it was going. One more win, and they're going to a bowl. Which is the first time since, I believe, 2007 that they will be at a bowl game, which is pretty incredible. 
people real real fans remember the Mark Mangino era. And on 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 another team that the opposite of a magical season, fans wanted Mario Cristobal, but now I don't think even Miami fans want Mario Cristobal anymore. The Miami Hurricanes. Guess how many? Did you see how many turnovers they had, Jack? I did not. Just throw, throw out a guess. How many turnovers do you think they had against Duke? Uh, six. Eight. Wow. Didn't go over, though. Price is right rules. I still win. There you go. Five fumbles and three interceptions, and they lost to the Duke like... Blue Devils. Nope. They lost to the Duke Blue Devils at home 45-21. to Now, mind you, this is not the David Cutcliffe Duke Blue Devils. This is the new coach of the Duke Blue Devils. I don't even know who the new coach is, actually. I'm going to have to look this up. Because Cutcliffe, I believe, sort of retired. He kind of retired. It was hard to tell exactly what the vibes were over there. I at... mean, he was old. I mean, yeah. I, so I think it was like a Bill Snyder. That's fair. That's fair. So it's Mike Elko, the former defensive coordinator of Notre Dame, Wake Forest, and Texas A&M, who is at Duke. And Duke has lost its last two to Georgia Tech and North Carolina, each by three. And then they beat Miami by, excuse me, 24 that's just horrid. Also, you said it never rains at Oregon, but I thought it rained. It's it's a thing they say. Is it a thing they say? Yeah, it's I a, never heard it that never before. rains in Alston Stadium. Well, that's odd. That's odd because uh, there was people I believe in ponchos at some point at that game. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I didn't watch the full I, game. I think it was raining, but it, it's 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 like uh, it's like an expression. Oh, that's interesting phrases one could say. It's it's like a uh, roll tide. Yeah, but that one's that one's a little dumb. I don't I don't, I don't know I don't know about that one. Also, looking at the rest of the unranked... Er, uh, another team that has a highly touted coach that lost to a group of five school earlier this year and has had offensive struggles. Uh, Texas A&M oh my loses gosh. to South Carolina for the first time ever in a hilarious game, uh, which closely resembled a 57-minute mosh pit more than a football game. Uh, the Gamecocks come away. Cocktober continues as the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks beat the A&M Aggies 30-24 to as, once again, that is, I think, their 12th all-time meeting, 12th or yeah. 11th. Uh, that is the first time in South Carolina. And, mind you, they play every year because they're the protected rivals. They are? They're like, they're like our Georgia. But why would they be the protected rivals? Because Missouri gets Arkansas. Oh, and Texas A&M, I guess, had to get someone from the east? Someone was left over, yep. South Carolina was the last team left over. Well, honestly, good for them. And also, you know, this really – this struck me because after the Georgia game, I don't know if you remember seeing this interview, but somebody asked Shane Beamer if there was any give up in the team because they lost to Georgia awfully, by the way, at home. And he says, no, there's no give up. We're one and two. And since then, for for bad schedule or just great playing, they're 4-0. and They're 5-2 and right now. And A&M is 3-4. and I mean – they might be struggling for a bowl game. Which I mean, is... you've got Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, UMass, LSU. I see one guaranteed win down that stretch. All... Yeah, four winnable games, four losable games. Exactly. They they need to win three. They need to get it together. They need to win three out of those out of those five. And I mean, yeah, they've got. Okay, let's pencil UMass as a win. Maybe they'll beat Florida. I mean, Florida's been so topsy turvy all year. You never do know. Well, I think we'll get a, a good look at Florida this weekend at the cocktail party. True. I think that that's definitely a good metric to see how far they how far behind they are from Georgia and the other schools. I don't think they beat Ole Miss as bad as Ole Miss that lost to LSU was. Ole Miss has an offense that can score, and Texas A&M just cannot. Yeah. I mean, looking at the stat sheet, USC was trying to lose this game. Spencer Rattler was twelve of twenty five, mind you. Texas A&M, did you see the time of possession difference, Jack? Go ahead and guess how how much how much time of possession. Is it like twenty to ten? Wait, okay, this actually 
Is it a two to one ratio? This can't be right. Never mind. Because CBS Sports is telling me that Texas A&M had the ball for 48 minutes, and South Carolina had the ball for 26 minutes, which adds up to 74 minutes. Mm, yeah. So that's not right. We've had some glitches in the in the systems lately. But you've got that game. Also, in some Auburn-related news, UCF, under coach Gus Malzahn, lose awfully to Eastern Carolina, or East Carolina University, 34-13. to Not a good look for the Knights. John Reese Plumley had three interceptions. Mm. Uh, pour one out, and by one, I mean a water or soda of your choice for the Cougars of BYU, who in the last two weeks, I think I've gotten 100 points hung on them combined last week by Arkansas and this week by Liberty. Uh, the Golden Flames, Flames, just the Flames, Flames uh, host the Cougars and beat them soundly 41-14. to Very disappointing season for BYU so far. Did did they beat Notre Dame in They Vegas? did not, but they beat Baylor at the earlier of the year, and people thought that was a good start. But That's then that right. loss to Oregon was not great, and since then they've kind of— Yeah, I mean, that Notre Dame loss looks worse and worse every week. It does. It, cer- it certainly does, considering that Notre Dame lost to a Stanford team that has about four people showing up at each of their games. If you're a real sicko, I want you to circle the Arkansas-Liberty game coming up on the schedule, considering both of those teams had a similar score against a BYU team. True, they, they did, except, except, except importantly— Arkansas gave up a lot more points than Liberty did, for whatever that's worth. Yeah. Also, lastly, let's just shout out future American Athletic Conference member UTSA. Head coach Jeff Trailer has only two losses this year, a two-point loss to Houston and a tough loss to Texas at DKR. But since then, they have won five straight, including a wild ending against North Texas. Jeff Trailer is one of the best young coaches in college football right now and is a hot commodity to be had later on in the college coaching carousel. I'm very curious to see where he will go and what teams will go after him. Maybe a certain team on the Plains goes after him, but I can't imagine they'll do something like that after how these certain things have ended up. But, unfortunately, that could bring it into our college football discussion. Maybe we'll pick it yeah, up back after we'll the break. we'll talk some tears back in Mobile as South loses the Battle of the Belt to Troy. Maybe I don't want to talk about that. Very well. Maybe we will. Who knows? But anyway, this is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM, and we'll be back right after this short PSA break. Back inside the Bradley Basin WEGL studio. This is Compact Discourse. Alex Houston with you here, as always, on Mondays, joined by former host of Compact Discourse, the creator of Compact Discourse, many things about Compact Discourse, Jack Hart. What's up, everybody? Happy to be here at the bottom of the hour here on Compact Discourse. It's the 24th day of October, year of our Lord, 2022. Let's get into some Auburn weather, why don't we? Right now in Auburn, Alabama, it is 55 degrees and sunny. Nice and cool autumn morning out there for your commute today. Lovely high of 80, low of 46 today. Had a little frost on my car's windows this morning, which is a lovely sign of the seasons changing. Looking ahead, we got sunny skies all day, a 6 p.m. sunset, and some clear, cool evening tonight. Your week ahead, you're looking at lots of sunshine in the future, so Stay nice and dry out there as it is going to be 
a beautiful autumn week here on the Plains, looking at a 70 degrees high and low of 55 for game day on Saturday against Arkansas, where Navy for an 11 a.m. kick against the Hogs. And I believe it's going to be some rain, but that was your... Wait, that there was, it is. That wasn't loud enough. We got to turn that up again. Better. And now we have a guest joining the show. Uh, sorry, I didn't turn on your mic. Why don't you introduce yourself to the airwaves on Compact Discourse? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Trey. I'm a member here at Weagle, and uh, I just woke up early enough to be here. We're halfway through, so hey, uh, welcome. Hey, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. And you host a show. What time? Just so everyone here listening at Compact Discourse knows when to tune in. Yeah, my show is uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. All right, awesome. Well, thank you, Trey, joining the show. I don't know what we were going to talk about. I mean, we were going to move on to the NFL maybe, Jack. Well, what do you, where, where do you want to go, Jack, since this is your one and only show? I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch a ton of NFL yesterday. I didn't either. I watched the Panthers' highlights just because uh, if they had lost, I probably wouldn't have watched the highlights. But That's they fair. did pretty soundly beat the Tom Brady Buccaneers 21-3 to with a glowing defensive performance. So Jack couldn't watch the NFL because he was busy here at the studio recording a special Through the Lens episode which we'll have to be doing again next week because there's also a broadcast on this upcoming Thursday. So mm. if you want to come back next Sunday and do another episode. We'll see what happens. How do you feel about the Alien trilogy? A little scary. I, and the great movie ride, that was always the scariest part to me. When the, the Oh, yeah. Comes I'm so out of the sad ceiling. they got rid, of, got rid of that ride. I liked it. Though, I mean, yeah. What it replaced was pretty cool. Have you been since they replaced it? I have. I, I, uh, right before we had to hide in our houses for a little while, I went to Disney World. That was just about the last thing I did, actually. So I uh, hung out with Kylo Ren and Mickey Mouse and a lot of people from Boston with bad suntans. So I got the got the pretty good Disney World experience right before I had to not see anybody for a few years. You're going to have to explain the mentioning of that third group. It, it, it was just a subset of people that was so distinct that I could not constantly <laughs> see them. Everyone in their bootleg Baby Yoda merch. And oh, red not, the, not, not the yeah. bootleg merch. That's well, always. I, mean, di- I get why Disney did that, you know, keeping, keeping Baby Yoda a secret. Because it, I mean, it's, a, it's a good reveal, but people, people wanted that Grogu stuff. They did want the wasn't Grogu any stuff. Of it. They, they had to make their own, like, iron on Baby Yoda <laughs> drinking a cup of coffee t shirts. I mean, <laughs> that's a little, it's a little sad. Like, I. I still, to this day, have never understood the fascination with Baby Yoda. That's an OG yeah. compact discourse topic. We were talking about those ladies that have the Instagram accounts where they take care of their little Baby Yoda dolls. Oh my! You mean like I'm? They oh like my take, gosh! They like take them to the bank and open a savings account for them. No, do you remember? Do you remember the doll, the old like dolls from like 2010 that would like soil their diapers? And you'd be like, all right, guys, you have to change the diaper. Do you not? Uh, I need. I, I need, remember that. I need to get John Favreau on the phone. I just had an idea. <laughs> Well, and what what idea might that be, Jack? I, it's for it's for me and John. I don't want you to steal it. Oh, okay. Don't worry. I was I wasn't going to. Oh my lord. But I'm, yes. I'm uh, still thinking. Uh, was Baby Yoda? Was that all the way back right before quarantine? Was, yeah. That would have been fall 2019. Yeah. So it would have been. That's my freshman year. Was that really season one? Yeah. That was. Wow. Because then season two took forever because everything just shut down. That's true. Okay. Which wow. Is, yeah. Because it. Because I didn't even watch season one. Because I was like, eh. You know, I, uh, to be to be too, fair, too many evening and nighttime scenes. To be fair, the Last Jedi kind of killed my wanting to watch <laughs> anything, fair. and then I watched The Rise of Skywalker, and I just thought that there was no hope for me ever again. So I decided I was just gonna not watch it. But then, then everyone's like, "Oh, it's kind of good," and I was like, "Okay, I guess I'll give it a shot." 
And I, yeah, w- word of mouth kind of got to me. I, I was I was still like Star Wars pilled by that point, so <laughs> I I, I kind of I waited for a few episodes to come out, and then I when we uh, during Thanksgiving break, I remember watching like, probably the first four at that point had been out. And it, it's it was pretty good because it was also very different from anything before. Because it was like yeah. I mean it was like basically a western that just happened to have a Star Wars mm-hmm. theme to it. And then of course the second season was like, what if we just put every character you've ever heard of? It was like in it. it was like. You're trapped in a cave, and you see like one light, and then you scramble towards it, and then right as you get there, a big boulder named Boba Fett (laughs) lands on it. (laughs) That that's good. That's good. Did you watch the Book of Boba Fett? I have not seen a piece of Star Wars media since I don't even know when. Trey, how about you? Have you watched uh, any of the other Star Wars series post the Mandalorian? I started watching the Obi Wan show, and then I got like. A little bored. I, I don't know. Bored is a really word for it. it. Yeah. I think the last thing I saw that was Star Wars was was Mando season two. Yeah. I mean this in the nicest possible way. I hated the Obi-Wan show. It was so bad. Be glad you stopped yeah. whichever episode you did. There it only like, got worse. That's like episode three. There was like so much potential just in that like plot, but... Well, yeah, like there was so much potential for the for Boba Fett, and then they're like, oh, yeah. "What if we have him ride a motorcycle?" While I'm on the phone with Joel, <laughs> uh, with with John Favreau, I'm pitching him my other idea: Obi Wan, Uncle Owen, buddy cop show. <laughs> I mean, Joel Edgerton is Joel pretty cool. Edgerton has he's he, got potential. He went from like background extra that they just had to like drag off the street to like amazing actor. True, love Joel Edgerton. He's yeah. awesome. So they're just like going around solving like Jawa crimes. What, be awesome. While you're at it, can you can you can you phone in? Uh, can you have John Favreau bring Dave Filoni into the room and just tell him like, "Hey, the Clone Wars was cool, but you don't have to include every single <laughs> character you created in everything else that you're making." Because like it was cool and all, but like, do yeah. I really do it? I don't know. Don't really know about that one. But you know, I'm I'm not in charge of such matters. And hey, season three of The Mandalorian looks cool. They're going to Mandalore, which I thought was like destroyed, but apparently it's like not destroyed. Kind of unclear what happened to Mandalore, but you know, that's that's why I'm not that's why I'm not in charge of such things. And hey, apparently, Andor's good. That's why you watch the show. I have I've seen good things about Andor, but you know, our faith has been shaken. Like, when am I gonna watch that? <laughs> yeah, I I have not had time to watch anything. Like, I was watching just because, of course, uh, a House of the Dragon episode aired last night, so Twitter was dominated by discourse, and I've not seen an episode of it yet. But just hearing people talk about, it, I'm like, man, I need to watch this show. But also. I don't have time to watch TV. No. I mean, no, I got to watch three movies a week, and most of them are pretty bad. So I have to drudge through <laughs> the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, which felt like a four hour experience. Yeah, everybody's watching Rings of Power and House of the Dragon, the definitive dragon media. Mummy 3, man. Check it out. I don't know, man. I was going to say Dragonheart with the, uh, dragon. with the, like, I don't even know how to, the Macintosh level, uh, Digital effects. I don't know how to describe it, but great movie, by the way. Dennis Dennis Quaid with a really awful beard. Can't miss it. You not seen this movie? Dragonheart. Dragon. It's like really popular. I don't know. I don't know <gasps> Dragonheart. Look up Dragonheart. Look up a picture. Look up a picture of Dragonheart. I've seen it. It's in my awesome. Meme. Can't believe you haven't seen. Uh, Trey, have you seen Dragonheart? I've not seen Dragonheart. What the heck? I'm sorry. It's a weird movie, by the way. It's really odd. Because it was like, you know, before digital effects were even like really a thing. And they're like, what if we just CGI an entire dragon? Oh, oh look at this And, and it, 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 looks, it looks like it was just, you know, a couple cubes thrown together. You got it's like a PS1 game. Exactly. Show, show, show the picture. 
Would you kick it with this that, dragon? It, <laughs> it does look like a PS1 game. It's pr- well, I mean, it was technically, it was 1995, it so it was, like bef- it was before a PlayStation 1, wasn't it? Like, 1996. Because so, yeah. when, when did the first PlayStation come out? I can't remember. Either like real first early PlayStation 90s game was like in the mid-90s. So it, oh, really? it came out in 19... Uh, Dragonheart came out in 1996. PlayStation mm-hmm. 1. Let's see, what, let's see when we got it. PlayStation 1 dropped on 1994. Okay, actually, yeah. maybe it just was a PlayStation 1 game that they just superimposed <laughs> a bunch of people into yeah, because... They just took clips from... Oh, it. yeah. I mean, yeah, it was... But before Shia LaBeouf was yelling at nothing in Transformers, Dennis Quaid was crying at nothing in Dragonheart. He did it first, dang it. That's all I'm going to say about that. That Dragonheart movie came out in 2020. Yeah. Much like the Scorpion King <laughs> films, Jack, they did not know to let those die and just Yvonne kept making direct-to-DVD sequels. Still one of the, you know, I'm not, I'm not a total supporter of the streaming world, but if the streaming world has eliminated direct-to-DVD sequels, not mad about it sometimes. Just direct, just direct to Netflix. The, 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 the Scorpion King 5 is kind of where I drew the line at direct-to-DVD sequels. So are you like a big fan of the Scorpion King series? No, no. It's just something we <laughs> talked about yesterday because we, we, we down through the lens yesterday did the Mummy uh, trilogy, the Brendan Fraser movies. Oh, and, of course, in the yeah. second one, it's the Scorpion King tie-in movie where The Rock is there in a horrible CGI Scorpion King. And it ends up leading to a... Scorpion King prequel starring The Rock, but what Jack and Davis did not know is that there were five direct or four direct to DVD sequels following those movies, all that were terrible. By the way, was the concept of the Scorpion King from the old Universal movies? Maybe everyone's so on board with the Scorpion King. Thing. I don't. Well, that's because Billy Zane wanted to do it, man. It's, I not mean, that, Bi- it's not that novel of a concept. When Billy Zane comes and knock, well, that's the thing is so. In the in the in the Mummy Returns, there's a bit of like lore and magic to oh, it's because he wears a Scorpion King bracelet and can summon blah 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 yeah. and Anubis. <laughs> in the actual Scorpion King movies, he's just a dude with a really strong bow and arrow. Like that's all. It's such a bad movie. That's like the plot of the Hunger Games. Ex- yes, because <laughs> like no, literally. So in the, in in the movie, he gets captured by this dude that can, like, deflect anything with swords. Like, he deflects yeah. every bow, and or every arrow. And people capture the rock, and they, like, try and use his bow, but it's, like, so strong they yeah. can't do it because the rock's so jacked, only he can do it. And at the end, he, like, just does it and kills the guy, and it's like, wow, what a movie. Like, it's so generically boring. And the rock oh, is also no. a bad actor, by the way. Like, he's much better now, but, I mean, this yeah. was fresh off of WrestleMania 18, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Finally. We need to get that as a soundbite. We need so many sound effects. We need so many sound effects. The problem is, there's all. If you ever look it up, there's never just like an easy clip. It's just him saying it back to back for like twenty <laughs> seconds. But there's too, there's too many of them. However, with that, a lot we're going to cool Scorpion King toys out there. Oh God, we will have to go to a commercial break. We'll continue our Scorpion King discussion after this. This is Compact Discourse. I'm here with Trey and Jack, and we'll be back right after this. Back here inside the Bradley-based and WEGL studio, this is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM on a brisk Monday morning. Jack Hart and Trey in here with us on Weagle 91.1 FM. Jack bumping along to the bumps that he created, so you figured figured they'd get old, but you seem to still enjoy them, Jack. I mean, they're great. 
They're they're timeless. They're evocative. And they are not copywritten. That's right. And that's so, the best thing we can have. Right you here, said you have some pumpkin content. Pumpkin. Yeah, there's a there's a chill in the air. Um, mm. I'm sure everyone will be out at the pumpkin patch or perhaps produce section of Kroger picking out your favorite pumpkin <laughs> this week. A nice yeah. round one that will capture a face splendidly. I watched a video about carving jack-o'-lanterns yesterday, um, which was pretty cool. But it reminded me how cool pumpkins are. So I thought for this Halloween, which I believe kicks off officially today, considering we are um, I'd say so. seven days out, Add seven to twenty-four, you get thirty-one. All Hallows oh, wow. Eve coming up, so hope you have your costume ready. Don't be that guy who like is is ironic about your low-effort costume. Like, no, you knew Halloween was coming. Like, don't put a paper plate on your head and say you're leftover. Like, it's not funny. Get put some effort into your costume. <laughs> oh, that's a good I've idea. never heard I'm that, use that before. That's uh, if you go. There's like four thousand BuzzFeed articles. That's like. Low effort costumes. Oh my god. Low effort costumes. Bad trend. I yeah, I mean that 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 is the society in take minimalism. Some, take some pride. Yeah. It's not ironic. You know, speaking of so pumpkins, did you see that Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger uh came together to make some pumpkins? Did you they see that? Made pumpkins? They, 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 they they carved some jack-o'-lanterns, did you see? That's adorable. But did you notice that uh in the bottom in the bottom left, uh Sylvester Stallone drew out an outline and then just didn't cut it? I mean, if you're using that knife, I'm not that surprised that that was the outcome. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> using uh, like crocodile Dundee. Now this is a knife knife. Not to mention he put the he put like the weird deep fried like filter on it. That's like half deep fried yeah. to make them look like they're like, I don't know. Anyway, they've been reconstructed by AI. Um, so a giant pumpkin oh, weighing 2,560 <gasps> pounds just set the new United States record. A Minnesota man set a U.S. record this month for heaviest pumpkin. That giant gourd weighed 2,560 pounds, or about as much as a small car is coming to you from the Washington Post. Travis Ginger of Anoka, Minnesota, set the world record while winning the 49th World Championship Pumpkin Way Off in Half Moon Bay, south of San Francisco winners of the annual contest, which has been held since 1974, are almost always from California, Oregon, or Washington State, where I've been told it never rains. Minnesota has a great mid-year, but our spring, in parts, is really, really tough. So to do it in Minnesota, it just shouldn't happen. This is like Leicester City winning the Premier League of Pumpkins, is what I hear. Oh, wow. It's like winning the Tour de France on a big wheel. See, he already had a metaphor in his back pocket. You can only hope, but it worked. This man was passionate about pumpkins. Uh, Ginger also won the contest in 2020, but this time he also set the record, which was held for just a week. Who uh, by but it was breeding by a guy who weighs a 2,500-pound pumpkin. Um, Stefano Cutrupi holds the word world record for the heaviest pumpkin. Uh, he is from Italy. If you couldn't guess, uh, he grew a 2,700-pound squash in September 2021, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. That's a lot of squash. Oh, but that's not a pumpkin. Well, technically, is it? They so, might have been doing that journalist thing where you don't repeat words. That that's true. So like how how a gourd oh. is technically a pumpkin. So like well, what we have as an idea of like when people think pumpkin, they think like oh orange circular pumpkin. Yeah. But like technically, this is a pumpkin, even though it doesn't look like one. It's, it's not the orange. It's not yeah, the Italian round, it's the Italian orange. one looks a lot like it. Ah uh, yeah, it's, I it's like you. a big white lumpy. It's like collapsing under its own weight. So in, in the in the scientific use of the term pumpkin, it is a pumpkin. In the colloquial use of the word pumpkin, 
Gord. Mm. I've also got some bullet Gord. points courtesy oh. of this article about pumpkins. Pumpkins wow. okay. come in many colors other than orange. Hey, there you go. Yeah, Look at they that. They can be yellow, green, red, white, pink, and even blue. Pink. I want to see a I want to get a red, white, and blue on 4th of July. We'll just start carving pumpkins every holiday. You know when uh, you go to like a fancy steakhouse and you get those carrots that you didn't even know carrots could be that color? I had one of those at Lucy's. It was green. I'm just saying, it was man. green carrots? Mother yeah, Nature's it was a, pretty good. Mother Nature's a mad scientist. Eggs and ham. Um, pumpkins are not a vegetable. They're a fruit because they are a seed-producing part of a flowering plant. Okay, that makes sense. Hmm. Illinois is the biggest pumpkin-producing state. In 2021, it produced 652 million pounds. Most of this Holy was processed cow. into food, such as pumpkin pie filling. Yeah, it makes sense. So I guess when you're saying you're having your your uh, your healthy fruits on Thanksgiving, it's pumpkin pie. That's, That's right. true. Your fruits and your veggies, sweet potato pie, pumpkin pie, boom, covered it. Mac and cheese, that, that lumped that in there too. Uh, I think I think that's a little stretching a jack. That's a vegetable. I is it? First of all, why do that when you can just make Brussels sprouts and cover it in bacon? Boom. Or cheese and macaroni. <laughs> okay. That'd be a pretty good dish. Uh, honestly, I, I, I'll have to give it a shot. The oldest pumpkin seeds discovered were in Mexico and thought to Ooh. be from 7,000 B.C. What? Yeah. Was it like a fossilized seed? Maybe they did carbon dating. I mean, yeah, it, it might have been fossilized. That's that, that could be good. But even then, like, I mean... Well, how do you how can you tell the difference between like a fossilized pumpkin seed and like a regular seed? They like could have been in like yeah. a mummy's crypt. <gasps> uh, was Brendan Fraser the mummy four? <laughs> the mummy four, the, of the Aztec pumpkin. pumpkin. Oh my gosh! Awesome, the greatest oh. fall movie ever. D- Davis in the in the station manager's office. The earliest jack o' lanterns. I actually knew this. Were not made from pumpkins. Do you guys know what they were made of? Um. Uh, oh my oh, gosh! Wait, wait, I know this. Here's your hint. They were from Ireland and Scotland. Oh, potatoes. Nope. What? It's another it's it's another root vegetable. Root vegetable. Squash. Watermelon? Sometimes you'll get this with a street taco on the side. Ooh. What? cat no. Turnips. <gasps> really? Yeah. Interesting. Turnips. They must have had I guess you like held them by the You maybe. They were they were I just, feel like watermelons are the easiest, like, yeah. oh, make that a pumpkin. Yeah. Or make that a jack lantern, I mean. Like they that's that like for they, the fourth of July. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen people do that. Oh. Um, so Irish and Scottish people once carved scary faces in turnips to scare away evil spirits. Sounds about right. Interesting. I'm always curious how these things kind of change in history. Like, when did someone choose a pumpkin? Jack-o'-lanterns are really like a like such a interesting cultural bastion of, of the holiday. Much like trick-or-treating. It's I would a, agree. If you, if you step out of your like personal experience for a moment, it's a very weird ritual. Yeah, I agree. Like we, it, uh, it's like a mild hostage situation. We at our, we at our apartment just put out a little bowl of candy in the hallway. People always take all the candy. They haven't taken the bowl though, and that's, that's the goal. Good. We oh, worry yeah. they're gonna take the bowl. You never know. It's college students. Oh, college students break anything that's time. not nailed down. College students are snapping. Exactly. Up. And with that, I think that's a perfect way to end the show today. Fortunately, we're out of time. Maybe Jack will be back. Next month, Trey, thank you for yeah. joining on the show. You're welcome anytime, as always. I might be calling in with some more Halloween trivia later this week. Excellent. Looking know. forward to that. Might not be able to get rid of me. Because just because I'm not going to be here this week, we got Logan, Adrian, and Rio all hosting Compact Discourse later on this week. So don't And don't go anywhere. The shout-out is coming up next. But again, Alex Houston, Jack Hart, and Trey here on Compact Discourse. And we will see you next time on Weagle 91.1 FM. Bye.